You're listening to the Illinois Farm Talk podcast. Here are your hosts, Ben and Garth. Hello, I am Ben Calcaterra, and I am here with Garth Reynolds, and we are here to bring you the next episode of Illinois Farm Talk, brought to you by the Illinois Pharmacist Association. In this episode, we will hear about the 2019 legislative outlook and how it pertains to Illinois pharmacy. And as always, we will get an update on the association's 2019 schedule of events. We have a lot to cover, so let's get right to it. Hello, Garth. Hello, Ben. So in this 101st General Assembly, we have already had a huge number of bills introduced. Today's count, we have 2,992 House bills and 1,500 Senate bills already introduced, and the deadline hasn't even hit yet. So is this like record setting? Is this typical? What, what do you think, Garth? This is pretty typical for Illinois General Assembly. Um, when we look at General Assemblies across the country, many deal with about half the number of bills that we see in this time frame. So, you know, if they get over 2,000, it's overwhelming. We get into 2,000 after the first week of introduction. So it's not that uncommon that we're already at close to 4,000 bills and could be easily close to 5,000 by the time the deadlines pass um, this week. But one one thing we have to remember, all the bills that are introduced right now are good for the next two years. We're not going to address all 5,000 bills between now and May 31st, but we will be um, addressing them as we go through the next two years. And many of them are vehicle bills or what we call shell bills. They're placeholders for future legislation if needed. And both uh, President Cullerton and Speaker Madigan like to use vehicle bills in case they need them. It's kind of like a having another ace in your pocket, it, it, so to speak. So we'll see shell bills or vehicle bills out there for like the Pharmacy Practice Act and the Medical Practice Act and uh, uh, pretty much a, a laundry list of various important acts throughout the um, Illinois compiled statutes. And that's just one of the mechanisms of why we have to be so detailed. One of the reasons we have to be so detailed on our monitoring of legislation because it can take something as a regulation bill that has to do with the Nurses uh, Practice Act, and it could easily become an amendment to the Pharmacy Practice Act later on. So there is a significant reason why we have to keep an eye on a lot of these bills um, as they go forward. So they're they're pretty busy with introducing new legislation. Um, We've got a significant number of freshmen that are putting their ideas forward. So it'll be interesting to see the conversations that start to um, come out of um, the legislation being proposed over the coming weeks. Yeah, those shell bills, they've brought up some commentary lately about, you know, whether they were bypassing what the uh, legislative process is supposed to be or if they should be allowed. But they definitely have their place and they've come in handy a time or two for pharmacy bills that we've used in the past. So whether we like it or not, all of these bills, 4,500 bills at this point, it's just a lot to watch. And I know that you have a lot to do on a daily basis watching for these bills as they change. Some bill that may be in the on the back burner on a Monday by Wednesday is all of a sudden a high priority. So h- how do you handle that, Garth, in, in your position for the association? We use a couple different methods, and one of them is a bill tracking software. It's actually a web-based service 
that's local here to Illinois called HANA, and it allows us to be able to set not only alerts per statute, so anything that gets introduced that affects the Pharmacy Practice Act, we get an alert about that within about 15 minutes after it's filed or if there's been a change. And any bill that we're tracking, we get email summary reports as action happens and at the end of each day of what, what's going on. And not only is staff assisting with um, reviewing some of these uh, reports as they come in to make sure that I don't miss anything, but uh, we're also uh, working with our lobbyists who they use a different uh, monitoring uh, methodology to kind of make sure that we're kind of doing some crossover. We also use a monitoring software called Statescape that is a uh, product that's used through our membership in NASPA, and that helps us with also having just yet another filter just to make sure nothing falls through the cracks. That's great, and it's definitely necessary because, like I said, and like most people probably aren't aware of just the vast amount of bills that are being watched on a daily basis. Without a service like that, it, it would be impossible for, for one person like yourself in your position to take hold of, of all of the information coming in regularly and protect the association like that to make sure that the bills that we need to be watching are actually being watched. And I'm sure those services gave you a lot of updates this past week as uh, legislation, both the Senate and the House, had, had a lot of activity going on with Senate Bill Number 1. Big activity this week, as I'm sure everyone is aware, with the minimum wage increase bill. They like to call the Fight for 15 It has made a lot of waves this week, and as of today, it actually made its way out of the house from the floor. Um, We'll talk about that in just a minute. And I'd like to read a quote here that there's been a lot of talk about the studies, the economic studies and the data that the sponsor, Will Gazzardi, has, has brought to light when he, you know, talks as a proponent for this fight for 15 And one of these studies is from the Illinois Economic Policy Institute. Frank Manzo, in his testimony at the uh, subject matter hearing, in his testimony, he says, Studies find that minimum wage hikes boost worker earnings while having little to no negative impacts on employment outcomes. And it's interesting because of all of the talks and the testimonies that we've heard this week in the House uh, subject matter hearings, we have heard very little about the very unique profession that is pharmacy and how the minimum wage would affect pharmacy and the fact that it is not a profession that we are really able to change the majority of our product prices. So a lot of the other professions out there, the other businesses, uh, business owners, have the ability to raise their prices to offset increase in wage, increase in in their operating costs. Pharmacy doesn't really have that ability, right, Garth? That's correct. And because of how we're kind of locked in on our prices, we can say that a medication that we want to set a price for is $15. But because of how the pricing mechanisms work with third-party payers, you know, they're going to, it gets kicked back to us as $2 if we're lucky. And So you can put in additional mandates upon businesses across the board, as they are doing right now with minimum wage. But in pharmacy, 
it doesn't give us a lot of room. The only way that we can help with that is increasing volume and not every pharmacy in the state can just increase the number of patients coming into their store and hoping that at the end of the day through the rolling of the dice that it is whenever we submit send on a prescription claim that we'll be able to um, handle that additional um, burden that's being put on by pharmacy by the increase in minimum wage. And what we're looking at specifically is we've got a minimum wage that's going to be coming in very quickly over five years. And that's going to be a very short time frame. We've got a basically an 82% increase in an operational expense over the next five years. If you had that type of an operational increase, regardless if it was wages or another line item, you would definitely be examining that impact on your business and figuring out how you're going to be able to project your approach to making sure that you remain sustainable in that five-year time frame. Um, as many of our members know, um, IPHA was part of a business coalition uh, alongside the Illinois uh, Manufacturers Association and the Illinois Retail Merchants Association, among others, in where we provided testimony in opposition to the current proposal that was uh, put through in, in Senate Bill 1. And we were fortunate enough in the panels that were heard this week in the House Labor and Commerce Committee that our IPHA president-elect, Bo Cole, was able to provide comments on behalf of his own practice and, and the profession as a whole. And let's take a listen to that testimony right now. Thank you, Mr. Chairman, and happy birthday. Uh, my name Thank is you. Bo Cole, and I own two pharmacies, independent pharmacies, here in central Illinois. Uh, I became a pharmacy owner eight years ago with the hopes of having a long, impactful career taking care of patients. I felt there was enough profit in pharmacy to support my family while focusing on providing goods and services to customers that will benefit their health. Unfortunately, for the last three years, the ability for a pharmacy in Illinois to be profitable has virtually become non-existent. We have been squeezed by increase in DIR fees in 2017, which they are direct and indirect remuneration fees that are extracted from community pharmacies, usually months after a transaction, rather than deducting them from claims on a real-time basis. These retroactive clawbacks make it extremely difficult for community pharmacists to operate the small businesses when they have no idea whether they will break even on a transaction or not until months later. These fees have caused my two pharmacies to see $300,000 taken back from the bottom line in 2018 alone, putting me deeply into the red. And I have those numbers at my store if you guys ever actually want to see those. Last April, we saw Medicaid shift 80% of their patients to managed care, which resulted in an increased number of our Medicaid claims that were reimbursed below my cost of medication from 5% of my claims to 38%. That's right, 38% of my Medicaid claims are below the cost of the drug for me. That doesn't even include payroll or rent or other expenses to operate. I was here last section, uh, session talking with your fellow representatives about the dire situation Illinois independent pharmacies are in and how we need relief immediately. As an owner of the two pharmacies in central Illinois, uh, I oppose for a minimum wage increase to $15 an hour. 
Community pharmacies have a unique business structure where over 90% of what we are reimbursed for goods and services is decided by a third-party entity, whether it's Medicaid, Medicare, or our pharmacy benefit manager. Regardless of the cost of goods, they set the price for us. I cannot increase any prices to offset what these new wages will be. My opposition is not a plea to protect my income or affect my lifestyle, nor is it not because I don't know my staff is worth the wage, which no one earns less than $10 an hour. Unfortunately, in the current environment for community independent pharmacies in Illinois, uh, my stores will be forced to look hard at closing because it's not sustainable. If we can manage to keep our doors open, we and many pharmacies across the state may be forced to cut hours of support staff, which could pose serious safety issues as we already face scrutiny from script-limiting bills asking for us to provide more staff support. As we suffer from unfair auditing practices by pharmacy benefit managers, being on the short end of the stick in spread pricing and continually having money taken back in DIR fees, the money that I would gladly pay to my employees is being taken by third parties. This is my uh, reason for opposing an increase to $15. So that was great testimony that we just heard from Bo. He, like you said, Garth, he really did represent the association and all of pharmacy across the state of Illinois very well in bringing to light the issues that pose problems to the unique profession that pharmacy is in that we are unable to raise our prices as other professions and other businesses can. And it also brought to light in that testimony the issues we have with middlemen right now with taking back money from DIRs, audits, um, below-cost reimbursement issues that plague the profession on a daily basis. Um, We also heard some great testimony on the House floor today while the session was was live uh, in, in the House, in the general session today. Uh, Representative C.D. Davidsmeyer from Jacksonville brought up pharmacy in his time on the podium, arguing the bill on the floor, and we can take a listen to that. In rural Illinois, especially in my district, the big, the big pharmacy companies are not going to move into a town of 2,000 people right? We have to provide opportunity. I've got a friend who has, over the last three or four years, has, has spent a lot of his own income putting pharmacies into these small towns, finding a pharmacist that will travel to these small towns. And, and what we're doing is we're, we're making sure these places are closed because they're being reimbursed at, at, uh, uh, at rates that yeah. the big guys can, can handle, but the small guys can't. Representative David Meyer makes a great point with showing that in more rural parts of the state, it's going to be hard for those communities and the small businesses in those communities to be able to adjust. And Representative David Meyer is bringing delight here in this example that he's a, he's concerned that the way the proposal is being rolled out, that this could increase and put additional pressures on pharmacy deserts. And, and that's a concept that we've seen in, in the literature, specifically looking at the city of Chicago. But unfortunately, we're starting to see that type of practice that we're seeing more pharmacy deserts pop up in other areas of the state besides the urban areas. And what Representative Davidsmeyer is pointing out here is that he's concerned that that's going to expre- uh, spread out in the central and the southern parts of the state as well. 
And in case you have not heard the the news and haven't caught on to our talk so far, uh, the bill did pass. Uh, It passed with 69 votes. This is the final vote count here. And on account of 69 voting in favor, 47 voting opposed, and one voting president, Senate Bill 1, having received the constitutional majority, is declared passed. So with that, the minimum wage increase has passed as Senate Bill 1 moves to the governor's desk. From what we have heard, he's going to probably sign that in and and make it a done deal before his budget address so that he can announce that uh, at the state of the state address. Is, Is that how you understand it, Garth? Yes, um, that Governor Pritzker uh, does plan to sign the bill um, prior to his February 20th um, State of the State and bud- and combined budget address. So that's Senate Bill 1. That, that would be the biggest bill that we have had motion on this current week. Uh, we still have a lot more to go. To start off with the rest of the bills that are on the slate for this year, let's just t- get a general overview of what we're looking at. Do we have that champion of pharmacy as we have had, uh, that we've leaned on in the past. Do, do you see that we still have some champions that, that are in our corner that are fighting for us this coming year? Absolutely. I, I really have to take a, a moment here and thank a lot of our members for getting out and really taking the time to talk with their representatives and senators last year, um, specifically as we were moving House Bill 3479 through the process it has really assisted with the, the association's ongoing efforts and bringing awareness to our issues. And I think we're at an un, unusual time of peak awareness of our concerns and understandings with the abuses that we're seeing with middlemen and the value that pharmacists bring in, in their communities each and every day. And we're looking at that we are going to have even newer champions in both chambers as we go forward this year. And I'm really excited with the um, not only IPHA's legislative agenda and items that will be coming forward in the coming weeks, um, but also addressing some of the other pieces of legislation, knowing that we've got a lot of support in both chambers this year. Yeah, it does sound like we have a good year coming. We do have some people that are going to be in our corner and and helping us push through to benefit the the professional pharmacy this year. And and I agree with you. We've had a lot of support in the last year specifically. We have really garnered a lot of support from every corner of the state that has been a struggle in years of late for the association. And, And I really... I'm really proud of our membership coming together and resurrecting that grassroots effort that we've been so dearly needing in the past several years to push this legislation, get the word out, talk to the legislators. I know that a lot of people are still scared uh, for whatever reason. We, We would love to talk to any of you that still want some help walking into your legislator's office or calling them on the phone and talking to them. It's not that big of a deal. We want to help you through that because we need your support. So if you haven't done that yet, please give us a call. We'd love to help. Moving on, though, we've, we've got a lot of bills to cover, Garth. We've got a ton that we are monitoring currently that we are watching right now that may not be moving. They might not have legs yet, but they could any day. So as you said before, your reports are... Uh, popping out these these alerts for all of these bills. Let's just jump right in. What what do you want to start with? Well, first I'd like to start with one of our action bills, and that is House Bill 1442, 
reintroduced by Representative Musman from Schaumburg. And this is our bill that we've had for the last couple of sessions to increase access to contraceptives through pharmacists. We've introduced the bill the exact same language as last year, which is an agreed language package. And we're hoping that we can move this bill pretty quickly in the early parts of the session so we can have it moving through the process as we're addressing some of the other parts of the of our action agenda this year. And those pieces we'll be talking about more in the coming weeks. Um, another addition that we're hoping that we'll be able to um, get uh, sponsorship for this year is looking at smoking cessation and trying to advance access to more of the uh, prescription components of that and, and specifically looking at utilizing pharmacists for our education ability um, with patients who are wanting to quit smoking and making sure we can get paid for it. So we're trying to address the provider status issue not only with House Bill 1442, but also in parallel with uh, the our, hopefully our uh, tobacco cessation bill as we move forward. Do you think that if we get the smoking cessation bill to move, it helps 1442 with the contraception bill and vice versa? Do you think one could help the other if we get movement? Oh, absolutely. Um, that's why we're, we're trying this approach, because we think it, it would definitely have a partnership tandem effect where one would definitely uh, springboard the other one to success. I'm going to kind of go through some of the bills now that we're also monitoring and just kind of give you an idea of what type of bills that we're looking at as in this new 101st General Assembly. And I'd like to remind everyone that you can look at, at the list live of what bills that we're monitoring. And if you go to IPHA.org under advocacy, you'll see where it says legislative monitoring report. And it may take a couple minutes to for that report to show up on the screen. And that's okay because it is actively pulling for you when you click on it all the bills that we're currently monitoring and their current status. And so you're getting a fresh, up-to-date um, report each time that you click on that link. So let's take a look at House Bill 6, introduced by Representative Mary Flowers. And uh, she's um, put forth legislation on women's health clinics. And the reason we're taking a look at this is because it does have some language in there looking at sexually transmitted infections uh, medications, and that may be an opportunity for um, us to be involved in the way that this bill is being approached. House Bill 8 is a, another bill being put forward by Representative Flowers on Medicare for All. This is a unique vehicle. This has been brought forward before, and it parallels her other bill that she's got that we'll talk about later on, which is health care for all. And this kind of mirrors a campaign pledge by Governor Pritzker, where he's wanting to help expand insurance opportunities and health care coverage for individuals who don't fall into either employer plans or in Medicaid, and people could voluntarily purchase Medicaid plans and to get uh, to obtain health care coverage. So we're keeping an eye on these vehicles because they could be opportunities for that legislative and campaign idea to come forward. House Bill 10 and House Bill 197, introduced by Representative Flowers, is a reintroduction of the prescription limits bill that we saw back in 2017. And yes, I know we're dealing with this again, and we know that they were re just reintroduced. They're being held right now by the sponsor. As we all know, we had an agreement with all the parties that we would create a task force, and that task force, the Collaborative Pharmaceutical Task Force, has been meeting um, monthly since last year. 
we are working very hard through the 16 items that were charged to the task force and we'll be talking about the task force and what it's coming up with as we go throughout the year as we get to our adjournment which will be in September. House Bill 13 introduced by Representative Mary Flowers looking at prescription privacy. This is a bill that currently we're opposing in its current form because it basically mirrors concepts that are already covered under federal law, both under HIPAA and high-tech. House Bill 20, introduced by Mary Flowers, is another vehicle for a minimum wage 15 that would have started the $15 minimum wage this October 1 instead of how it came to be under Senate Bill 1 with a five-year tiered approach. House Bill 53, introduced by Representative Flowers, is also looking at um, drug pricing info to be reported to the General Assembly. Our concern about it is it's mainly a report to the General Assembly by the manufacturers whenever they institute a price increase, but there's no action in the report, so it seems like an unnecessary piece of legislation. House Bill 156 by Representative Mary Flowers is looking at merging language in reference to interchangeables and combining it to our sections in the Practice Act in reference to generic substitution and also talking about that interchangeables would be would have preferential uh, treatment whenever it comes to product selection um, based on cost. Uh, we're looking at this bill with a lot of caution um, just because it's kind of an ill-timed bill as we're looking at reforming many sections of the Practice Act as we get closer to its renewal. And this bill is kind of confusing in its approach with how it's trying to, in a way, make generics and interchangeables as stating the same thing. And as we know, the approach is significantly different with how a medication is determined to be a generic and how a, medi- how a biologic is determined to be an interchangeable. So we're very cautious about the way this approach is in this bill, and we're, we're working with Representative Flowers on this bill as we go forward. House Bill 163, introduced by Representative Stewart, and she is wanting to am- amend the process in the prescription monitoring program so that pharmacies would be reporting controlled substance transactions at the end of the business day instead of at the end of the next business day. So getting us is probably as close to real time as we're going to get. And we're working very closely with Representative Stewart on some of the behind the scenes concerns with data transfers whenever you submit the data and the the processes it goes through before it's active in the prescription monitoring program. And also Representative Stewart is wanting to use this vehicle to help establish permanent funding from the state level for the prescription monitoring program, which we have not had in the past. The prescription monitoring program has been a very fortunate um, recipient of many federal CDC and DEA grants, and this would help give give the prescription monitoring program more stability as it goes forward. House Bill 204 by Representative Ford would be looking at resurrecting the um, old circuit breaker program, and this could be yet another vehicle for the governor's um, Medicaid for All program. Um, House Bill 207 by Representative Flowers is the health care for all, which we talked earlier, which is very similar to um, her bill, uh, House Bill 8 for Medicare for All. House Bill 239 by Representative Bennett 
is looking at changing um, some of the immunity protections for individuals that are involved with people who are experiencing a drug overdose. And right now we are one of many organizations against the bill because it goes against a lot of the tenants of the Heroin Crisis Act from a number of years ago and our work with the state in the um, Illinois Opioid Action Plan and trying to encourage individuals to um, not only um, have naloxone on hand, but to administer naloxone to individuals that are in need and not have to fear um, any type of criminal punishment for being involved with such individuals. House Bill 272, um, introduced by Representative Harris, is looking at creating an assessment mechanism on all insurance claims. So a 1% assessment, similar to how prescriptions are assessed a 1% service occupation tax. And this, the monies that would be brought forward both on medical and prescription claims would go into a healthcare provider relief fund. And this is very interesting because just kind of looking at some very rough numbers, this could easily bring in uh, $1 million into this fund um, to be able to help with paying um, providers on time. So this is an interesting approach, and, and we are very much in support of that in any efforts to um, ensure that pharmacies are paid on time. House Bill 315, introduced by Representative McSweeney, is looking at um, durable medical equipment rates and making sure that there is a fairness between the reimbursement rates between fee-for-service and managed Medicaid. This was a bill mirroring a lot of what we were doing in Senate Bill 3479 last year, but specifically looking at durable medical equipment. And we're glad to see that it has been reintroduced, and we're definitely in support of that for our members that are involved with durable medical equipment. House Bill 345, introduced by Representative Lilly, is one of the two um, legislative mechanisms looking at increasing the age to purchase tobacco and tobacco-related products from 18 to 21. House Bill 349, introduced by Representative Cassidy, is um, looking at creating the Drugs and Sharps Waste Program. And it's got a lot of information pertaining specifically to Illinois EPA but we're very concerned about the bill in its current form because there's a lot of open um, language concerning fees that we're afraid would be attached to pharmacies. And right now in this environment, we want to encourage pharmacies to be having be disposal sites and be sharps disposal sites without having to worry about an increase in the burden in providing that community service. House Bill 357, introduced by Representative Hoffman, is a unique bill trying to give preference to manufacturers and their products that are produced here in the state. House Bill 369, by Representative Parkhurst, is looking at trying to create a tax deduction for the care and services and the expenditures for having individuals in long-term care. House Bill 822, by Representative Halpin, is um, an extension of the, some of the legislative ideas and efforts that we've had over the last probably four years in expanding access in schools to EpiPen auto-injectors and last year in expanding access to asthma medications. Um, House Bill 822 is wanting to increase that um, access to glucagon as well. House Bill 891 by Representative Sosnowski is wanting to um, prohibit gag clauses in Illinois. So this is one of a couple of um, bills looking specifically at PBMs that will be coming forward in, in this General Assembly. And we're glad to see that this bill has already been assigned to the House Insurance Committee, and we're hoping it may get some movement early in the session. 
House Bill 902 by Representative Ammons is one of the many vehicles looking at cannabis legalization. And um, this is going to be another major topic that the General Assembly is going to be addressing this year in looking at adult use um, of cannabis moving beyond the established medical cannabis pilot program. House Bill 906 by Representative Musman is wanting to lower the service occupation tax on durable medical equipment from the established sales tax to the 1% SOT that we see on prescriptions. House Bill 1441 by Representative Moeller is bringing back um, a bill that we haven't seen in since the Bogoyevich era is and the importation of medications. And of course, IPHA has um, been very loudly against this bill and will be working with the sponsor in trying to educate and show that the need for making sure that we keep medications in the established drug safety pathways that we have established through the FDA. HR 29, and that's right, HR, meaning it's a resolution, not a bill, um, being put forward by Representative McSweeney is stating that the General Assembly would be supporting and not raising any further service occupation taxes on food or medications. H.R. 58 by Representative Stewart is wanting to encourage the Department of Public Health in the establishment of state guidelines for painkillers. Senate Bill 7 by Senator Staines, this bill will be the vehicle for adult-use marijuana. Um, Senator Heather Staines and Representative Kelly Cassidy have been um, conducting a series of town halls throughout the state engaging the public and educating them about their approach of how they're wanting to bring Illinois as the next state for adult-use cannabis. Senate Bill 21 by Senator Morrison is um, the other vehicle that's to increase the age of tobacco purchases from 18 to 21, and this bill has passed out of um, the Senate Public Health Committee and will be heard on the floor probably in the coming weeks. House Bill 225 by Representative Flowers would increase penalties for the manufacture and delivery of heroin. And House Bill 162 by Representative Stewart is also wanting to increase the penalties for individuals manufacturing and or dispensing synthetic fentanyl analogs to the public in Illinois. Now, these were a significant number of bills that have a variety of impact on pharmacy, on healthcare, and definitely on our patients. And this is just a small sample of the more than 305 bills that we are already monitoring for this current legislative session. Well, that was a lot to go through. There's a lot of bills that we're watching. Um, I hope our membership understands just how large of a job you do as to bringing all this information, disseminating it down, filtering it down to what's really important And our membership can't thank you enough for protecting our profession in the state of Illinois by monitoring all these bills and making sure the ones that really are the most impactful are brought to our attention so we can get that grassroots effort out so that everybody can respond accordingly and help push the professional pharmacy in the right direction. So the association, the membership, we all thank you, Garth. You do a great job at this, and I I hope everybody realizes just how big of a job it is for for what you do is to monitoring all these bills. Thank you very much, Ben. And uh, this is probably the most important task um, that we do through the association is providing information and advocating for the advancement of pharmacy and protecting affordable patient care in the state. 
And it goes beyond just the monitoring. In addition to that, we have conversations continually throughout most of the week uh, with both House and Senate um, staff on both in both parties and helping educate the staff on what these proposed bills would have an impact on pharmacy and how they'd have an impact on healthcare and for most importantly on our patients. So a lot of our time is having phone calls throughout the day and sometimes in the night talking with the staffers on what the impact is, what our positions are on the bills, and helping provide some guidance on the best way forward for the state when it comes to pharmacy and healthcare legislation. Well, it is definitely a important job. I, I just hope their membership realizes just how important that is. And, and, uh, and we'll continue to do that job. Uh, we'll continue to bring you the, the best information that we can and, and filter it down to the most important pieces that you need to know about. And with that, we're going to take a short break. Uh, we're well over 30 minutes here, so we're going to take a short commercial break. And we will be back just on the other side in a moment. Hello, I am Ben Calcaterra, and I want to let you know just how important it is to hold a membership in the Illinois Pharmacists Association. The Illinois Pharmacists Association stands up for all pharmacists across the state, from community to health system, academia to long-term care. Your membership will strengthen the efforts of the entire association. Consider joining today to gain valuable insights and updates about news and events affecting the profession of pharmacy in the state of Illinois. To gain educational opportunities such as CPEs and certificate training programs, or to help advocate to protect the abilities of pharmacists to practice in the best way they possibly can. Stand up for your profession, stand up for your state, and stand up for your patients. Join today. Call the office today or log on to IPHA.org. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at IL Pharmacist. That's plural with the S, IL Pharmacists. And welcome back from that break. Uh, we have had a lot of legislation that we have been speaking about, uh, both to be determined in the future and also Senate Bill 1 that has already finalized uh, this early in the legislative session. Some other important information as an association and as, as a profession that we need to talk about is the marijuana policy that the governor has proposed as part of his platform and something that he has made very uh, public that he is pushing forward. And with that, the association knew that we needed to update our policies as to how to respond to those bills that are upcoming policies that the state wants to propose. So in light of those upcoming policies that the state is looking to push, we, as the House of Delegates, met on Wednesday, December 19th to propose a new updated policy for marijuana and cannabis. And that is the entire purpose of the House. It's, it's the embodiment of the voice of the membership of the association to, to help guide um, those that are going to be speaking and representing the association. That's what the House is for, is to uh, produce that policy to help guide the association forward. So in looking at the original policy that was on the books for for cannabis. The policy seemed a bit outdated as far as uh, what the governor is looking to do. So with that, we have had this meeting uh, via internet and the House has decided on a brand new policy. And with that policy, there are five points to help guide the association. Point number one, 
IPHA supports that pharmacies be the only mechanism for medical and recreational cannabis to be distributed safely to the public, utilizing the same legislative manner and currently to store, record, and distribute controlled substances. Number two, IPHA supports pharmacists' direct involvement in furnishing cannabis and its various components for medical and recreational use. Point number three, IPHA supports the development and promotion of healthcare provider education related to the clinical efficacy, safety, and management of patients using cannabis and its various components. Point number four, IPHA supports that pharmacists should provide cannabis-related pharmacist-delivered patient care services in accordance with the Joint Commission of Pharmacy Practitioners' Pharmacist-Patient Care Process. And point number five, IPHA supports legislative and regulatory changes to further facilitate clinical research related to the clinical efficacy and safety associated with the use of cannabis and its various components. So that is the updated policy, and that, I think, speaks to the clinical outlook of cannabis as pharmacy moves forward. And, you know, Garth, do you think this policy is going to be forward-thinking enough to carry us forward uh, into the coming years so that we don't need to revisit this in two or three years after the governor proposes the legislation is passed and and all of a sudden something is is changed? Do you think this is clinical enough that we can stand by it for a while? I, I think it is with maybe minor changes to amend, you know, possibly terminology that may come forward in, in in the legislation that's going to be addressed in the General Assembly. But the current new revised policy is a very forward-thinking outlook by the House, and it allows the association to have discussions that we wouldn't be able to have at this point in trying to make sure that we can find a avenue for pharmacists that want to engage their patients in this realm and to be involved with cannabis in their communities, that, that we can help with having those conversations to help make that a reality for those that want to have that as part of their practice. Because we have to remember, and there are only a couple of states that have pharmacists involved in their medical cannabis side. Illinois is fortunate to have a couple of pharmacists involved currently, but that wasn't because of legislation. It was because of private initiative. But we really see that pharmacists do have a role when it comes to cannabis, whether it's medical or in adult use or recreational use. Because if anything, we have an important and vital role as medication managers and educators in adjusting a patient's medication to make sure that they're safely using cannabis, whether it's for medical or recreational use. And we need to be working closely with our patients and with their healthcare team in making sure that these recommendations occur. And still yet, we have to realize or be at least realistic to the fact that this is still something that, as we have said, it's forward thinking. We are going on the hopes that some real policy has changed at both the federal and the state level that will allow pharmacists to participate to carry out these policies that we're hoping that we should be able to take part in. Currently, we still need to have the federal rules uh, relaxed a bit to allow pharmacists to take part. 
in the actual dispensing and the storage of the product, not necessarily on the counseling side or the educational side, but currently our hands are still tied. So hopefully we, we get some, some legislation passed, some policies changed, some of those policies that are, are sentencing us to stand off and, and not take part currently. Hopefully we can see a future where we do have an active role in something that I feel very strongly that is part of our training, is part of our profession. So, you know, ho- hopefully this this works. The policy is definitely, like like we have said, forward thinking. I think that it guides us very well, and I think that the House did a great job in updating their policy. Moving along, we'd like to announce uh, a new project that IPHA is bringing out. The Public Relations Committee has brought forth a IPHA member spotlight session. This program is designed to recognize and showcase a practicing IPHA member, pharmacist, student pharmacist, pharmacy technician, who has demonstrated an innovative pharmacy practice resulting in improved patient safety and care, directly or indirectly. Nominations for Spotlight recognition will be solicited from the IPHA membership. Spotlights will be shared with the IPHA membership monthly via the IPHA website, social media, and directly to membership. Furthermore, an overall monthly member Spotlight winner will be selected by your board of directors and presented each year at annual conference. Those wishing to nominate an individual for the member spotlight will be required to explain in detail why the nominee is deserving of this spotlight and how their practice has impacted patient safety and patient care. To nominate one of your peers, all you have to do is log on to IPHA.org. Under the Membership tab, you will see an option for IPHA Member Spotlight. It's very straightforward. Log in, fill out the form, and nominate someone today. It is a very deserving award that we hope people will catch on and start nominating their peers because it is something that we should do more of, recognize greatness across the state of Illinois. Whether we're looking at this new initiative brought forward by the Public Relations Committee or whether it's for the nomination of any of our other deserving um, recognitions and awards, it is important to take a look at what our pharmacists are doing in the state. We have pharmacists that are some of the most forward-thinking practitioners in the country. We need to make sure that we are shouting from the rooftops the successes that they're having in advancing patient care. And this is just one of these various new mechanisms that we can do that through the member spotlight. So I highly recommend that you do consider either nominating yourself or look at the individuals and peers that you work with and putting forward names for consideration in this important new endeavor. I think it's a great addition to the association to recognize these innovative pharmacists across the state. And I personally like this idea, this addition to the association in awarding these spotlight awards. I think it's, it's great. And I hope that we get a lot of nominations. I hope this doesn't go dormant because people don't speak up for their peers. So log on today. Log on and and nominate someone right now. Everybody knows someone doing something great. So log on today. Garth, is there any updates to the IPHA schedule of events that are coming up uh, relatively quickly you'd like to make the listeners know about? There's still plenty of time to make sure you put in that request to be off on March 13th so we could have as many pharmacists, student pharmacists, and technicians here for the 2019 Illinois Pharmacy Legislative Day. 
as we go under the dome to advocate for advancement in the Pharmacy Practice Act and in provider status, and also looking at educating our representatives and our senators as to why we need to have a more comprehensive approach of reforming the abuses of middlemen like pharmacy benefit managers and getting true reform in the managed Medicaid program. So please go to IPHA.org and sign up for Legislative Day on March 13th. We need as many of you under the dome as possible, and this year is more important than any of the previous years that we've asked for you to be there. This is the time to advocate for your profession like you never have before. That's right, Garth. It is very important that we have a great showing this year. Like we said early on in in the show, this is a great year for advancing pharmacy in the state. This is the year. We have all the cards are set in our favor, and we have to take advantage of that. So please, please, please sign up today, Legislative Day 2019. If you haven't come before, you are missing out. This is a great event both on the educational side and on the advocacy side. I can't stress enough how important it is. So with that, uh, if there's nothing else that you have, Garth, I think we can call this an end to our long podcast show. We've had a lot of information. A lot of the information we've talked about, uh, both the advocacy links that are on the website and the member spotlight link that we talked about, we'll put those links in our description of the podcast show on whatever format that you are listening to the stream. And check that out today. Log on and check out all the bills that we're monitoring and and nominate someone for the spotlight. With that, uh, thanks, Garth, for another great show. Thank you, Ben. And thank you to our listeners for supporting this show. Check back regularly to hear new episodes as we will keep you updated on legislative matters happening around the state. You can find us on the internet at IPHA.org, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as IL Pharmacists. That's plural, with the S, IL Pharmacists. Follow us today to stay in the know. That will do it for this episode of Illinois Farm Talk. Stay tuned for our next episode as the voice of pharmacy in Illinois brings you another edition of Illinois Farm Talk. Thank you for listening to the Illinois Farm Talk podcast.